Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Friday night's resounding 4-1 victory over Inverness, Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how are you? I am brilliant, thanks. It was obviously a great win the other night and put us top of the league, albeit temporarily, but couldn't ask for much more. Rhys Jenkins is here. Rhys, first appearance of the season for you. How have you been? Yeah, it's always good to start a weekend with a with a Friday night win, set you up for a good one. So it's been it's been nice and relaxed, to be honest. Good stuff. And rounding off our panel this week is David Forrest. David, are you well? Yes, I am well. I had a rare Sunday off, so I've had uh, a fun weekend away. But Friday night was the absolute cherry on the cake. It sure was. Uh, Rhys Jenkins, I'll start with you since it's your, your first appearance in a while and we'll start as we always do with the starting 11. There were three changes. Lee Hodson came into the back four with Jack McMillan moving into the middle. Akinola dropped out. Bannigan came back into the midfield for Kyle Turner and a straight swap with Tiffany in for Fitzpatrick. Rhys, were you happy with that starting 11 when you saw it? Yeah, I was, to be honest. It was, um, I, I was a little bit surprised maybe to see... Um, Turner not in it, but um, yeah, pretty happy with it. I think with uh, bringing Akinola out and uh, bringing in Hodson, I think what McCall was trying to do was kind of get a bit more security on the ball, because I think at the Queen's game, it felt like every time the ball went near Akinola, he kind of just panics, and he's just not got that kind of composure to play out from the back, Um, and bringing McMillan in kind of helps you with that there, and then Hodson's just just is fine on the ball. Pretty, he seems just pretty reliable in in, in a, all sides of the game sort of thing. So I think uh, I think that's what he was going for there, especially being at home and wanting to sort of dominate proceedings a bit more, which we ended up doing. Um, and then yeah, I thought the balance was good in midfield. To be honest, with the midfield three, I think McKinnon's been been great since he's come in. And then I prefer Doherty and Bannigan in that three than I do when they're in a two. I think as well. So yeah, pretty, pretty good all round. Definitely going to come on and talk about midfield in a bit more detail later on. Reese, we've been talking about the options we've got and players, if they are dropped, it'll be a bit unlucky and a bit undeserved. Aidan Fitzpatrick was probably the unluckiest to be dropped, but, but Tiffany came in. What did you make of that decision? Yeah, so we always knew at some point or another that Tiffany was going to be back, brought back into the starting lineup, and it was just a matter of which player was going to be the one to give way, and in this case, it was Aidan Fitzpatrick. And I do think that Fitzy has every right to feel aggrieved. He's been electric so far this season, but it's it's incredible to have these options, as you mentioned, at our disposal. Um, as Reese was saying, there are like obviously Tunji's been shaky, and there's still question marks over Brownlee's long-term fitness. So that's you can see that's why McMillan was pushed in one, and then. In all honesty, I was rather impressed with Lee Hodson. I mean, the guys played over like a hundred games for Watford, played at Brentford, MK Dons, Rangers. 24 international caps for Northern Ireland so to have that option as a backup it just once again highlights our strength and depth so now nah, I was pretty 
pretty pleased with the starting lineup on Friday night. David, what about you? How were you feeling uh, getting into the game on Friday night when you saw the team? Yeah, much like uh, much like both Reeses have said, uh, it was it was exciting. I think it, we all acknowledged the fact that we needed to make some sort of change from uh, the Queen's Park and Hamilton games, so we needed to shake things up a little bit. And yeah, seeing Hodson come in and yeah, Ban- Banzo back in, it was, it was it was interesting. I was I was more excited about the fact that we were doing something a wee bit different um, and not just relying on the same squad again. And much as love Akinola, you know, him coming out, it's one of those things where he, he needs something to shake him up, basically. And yeah, I, I think that you kind of need to do something. This is probably the first step of that. So no, I was perfectly happy with the, the, the lineup when it came out. Graham up front, I know we were talking about dropping Graham and stuff like that, but I mean, I was speaking to somebody, uh, my pal, who came to the game with us, who's a Celtic fan, and he'd put a curtain on, and I said, you should put Graham on to score because he hates Inverness and always gets <laughs> a goal against him most of the time. So he'll, he'll definitely score, even if we get beat or whatever. And sure enough, first two goals, Brian Graham. And yeah, I was happy that he was up front, even though we've got strength and depth. I think for this game, Graham was probably the best choice. No, I, I agree. And even with, with Graham's two goals, Dowds is really pushing him. That's two goals and two substitute appearances from Dowds, which again another really good option to have. And that's before we even get to to Mullen and, and Weston on the bench as well. Uh, Reese Haldane, lots of chat about how good the performance was. Where does that rank in performances under Ian McCall in his second tenure? Look, it was it was right up there. Um, it was almost a complete performance, like. As, as I said, it was almost a perfect start inside 20 seconds. It was great for Tiffany as well. He beat his man the first time of asking. And McKinnon should be burying that. And to be fair to him, that's probably the only sort of negative you can have about his performance on Friday. Um, you know, Banzo and Cole McKinnon, I thought they were both outstanding. I mentioned on Twitter, like, they were sort of interchanging and making the forward runs into space, running the channel. And that was allowing Lawless the option to cut inside and, and feed them through balls, which ended up leading to the first goal as well as the award of the penalty. So it was some really nice intricate football on the night. And uh, honestly, I think Cole McKinnon, like, he's an absolutely fantastic player. He makes lung-busting runs in the first minute, same way he does it 4-0 up. And it's just an amazing mentality to see from such a young player. Um, Graham and Tiffany just looking back to their talismanic best. And, and as we mentioned before, we, we were all calling for Graham to be benched maybe in the last week or two. Um, just to maybe have a wee period sitting out at the starting eleven, but when you look, we take a step back and you look at it. He's played eight games this season, scored five and assisted six, and that's incredible numbers for anyone. Uh, as for Harry Min, Harry Milne, sorry, wow. Like we mentioned, Austin Samuels last week causing bother with his pace, but he couldn't get going at all. The amount of last ditch tackles that were timed to perfection from Milne was incredible, and he topped it all off with that absolute rocket of a cross, which is just asking to be put away. But that being said, it was some diving header from Anton Dowds. It's just a work of art. I could watch that over and over again. Uh, the only negative about the performance was losing another another poor goal from a corner, which is especially disappointing as the defence held up so well. I mean, McMillan and Holt were outstanding. Uh, they won every duel and, and Brownlee followed suit when he came on. But four goals in a Friday night to send you back to the top of the league, albeit temporarily, was, was extremely pleasing. Just just a word on the goal that we did concede, because it is going to be a, a positive podcast after this. I don't think I'm overly concerned about another corner goal this week. 
I think I would have been if it came maybe when we were leading one or two nil and it was on the hour mark or something like that. But we did defend the set pieces so well for the entire the entire game. And I think it's probably just a lack of concentration in the, at the last minute rather than a a technical error or like a lack of height in the defence. Because as you say, Reece, um Holt, Brownlee, McMillan, they were all impeccable in there on Friday night and it was an improved defensive performance, I think. I was going to say, like in terms of it, it was very reminiscent of the the other probably the other great McCall performance. So it's basically that in the Falkirk five 0 But um, in the Hamilton six one game, we were six 0 up and we lost that goal at the end. And obviously that you, we can't really criticise that one too much because we ended up going like, a nine game clean sheet streak afterwards. So it's it's one of those things where you know it's a lapse of concentration. But it, I'd rather you have a lapse of concentration when you're four 0 five six up rather than, you know, nil nil or one nil up. Do you, do you know what I mean? So like I, I can you can kinda let it so I, I the second it was coming in, I immediately knew it was gonna be four one, but by that point nobody cared. So it's absolutely yeah. fine. I think I think we can let this one slide this week. Um Reese Jenkins, we've had a couple of listener questions from Jack Carson and Jaggy T on Twitter. They're asking how good is the squad and is it a disappointment if we don't win the league this season with that squad? Interested to get your take because um, you've not been on the podcast this season. Going into the season, were you expecting a title challenge? What are you expecting now that you've seen four or five games from from some of the new signings? Would it be at this point if we didn't win the league? No, because I don't think we could expect to win the league like this season. Just like that, should, that wasn't really our expectation level. I don't think I'd love to challenge, and I think we, I think we will. But if we, if we do have a really good season and come second, I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say that's like a massive underperformance from us, but how good is the squad? I think it is really good. I think it's really balanced as well. We've got a lot of variety of options as well, um, which we haven't had in the past. I really like the improvements we've made at fullback. I think that Milne and uh, McMillan are both excellent. I think I really like them both. um, McMillan, I was a bit more sceptical of when we signed him because I really liked him when we had him before, but I wasn't aware that he was so good at right back, even though I know he did play there a bit for us, but I kind of had him in my mind as more of a defensive midfielder kind of type so so yeah I'm really really happy with what's going on there I guess bringing Hodson in shores us up a bit for depth which was one worry of mine um so I guess you could maybe say we're a little bit short if like maybe Milne got a serious injury but you're always going to be that's always going to be the case with one of your better players um so yeah I really like us there uh, in defense like the center backs yeah we're, we're looking good and then in midfield yeah, McKinnon, I think is is a been a brilliant a brilliant loan. Um, he just looks so kind of well rounded, and he doesn't really seem to have any major weaknesses, which for a player of that age is pretty rare. Um, technical, kind of technically very good. He got an absolute engine on him, which I noticed more more than ever the other day on Friday night. Um, he just seemed to be running like he was in the thirtieth minute and the ninetieth minute, running at the same intensity. And uh, and yeah, there the, up front we've got so many options. Like you've got Danny Mullen who can barely get in the pitch at the moment, and he was top scorer at a Premiership team last season. So yeah, I think it's really good depth. To be honest, I I wouldn't say I'm an expert in the squads of the other teams, but just based on how good ours is, I don't imagine there's two there's there's many other squads other than maybe Dundee with that kind of quality of depth. And that's not to mention even like having Tiffany and and Fitzpatrick uh, fighting for that left wing spot, and then you've got. Wallace and then even Fitzpatrick over there or kind of Weston fighting for that right-hand side. So, yeah, t- tons of options and really happy with the squad at the moment. I agree with you, Reese. I, I don't think you can say it's an automatic disappointment if we don't win the league because you never know what's going to happen with points, totals, injuries, 
um, sort of tricky moments with sort of mentality throughout the season. A lot of these players haven't been in a, a title race before, um, but I think it would be a disappointment if we didn't challenge. Just on the squad, I think Ian McCall deserves a huge amount of credit. I know we're sometimes a bit picky about his substitutions and things like that, but I think he deserves a huge amount of credit for the squad building job he's done this season. When you look at the players that have left, so Ricky Forster's left, he's replaced him with Harry Milner at left back. Kieran McKenna's left, he's replaced him with Jack McMillan at right back. Uh, Shea Gordon's left and Cole McKinnon's come into the midfield. Connor Murray's left, Aidan Fitzpatrick and Stevie Lawless have come in. And then Juan Allegri and Alex Kubiak have left and Anton Dowds and Danny Mullen have come in up front. Every single one of them is an upgrade and he's kept Tiffany, arguably the best player last season. Holt's there. Lewis Mayo is probably the only one and maybe the only position where we're, we've not strengthened, but I, I don't think it's a, a huge weakness where we're, we're going to be much weaker because of that, because of the strength and that it's going on around that position. I think McCall's done done a brilliant job throughout the summer. Yeah, I just want to sort of back up what you guys were saying. Like, I totally agree. Um, and the squad's an absolute joke and I've honestly never in my lifetime seen a better party official substitute bench. Like The talent is bursting at the seams. And you even look beyond that, like the guys that are injured at the moment, you've got Adam Muirhead and Cammy Smith, who played almost every minute last season. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's just another option we have. Um, but when I look at the other teams in the division, including Dundee, I don't think they match us in terms of options. And of course, it's early days, but you've got to think both as fans and the club internally, we must be expecting to have a right good go at winning the division. I mean, we've already beaten both our expected title challengers in quite emphatic fashion, you know, going to Dundee, scoring three goals and then sticking four past an Inverness side that they hadn't lost by more than one goal the whole of last season. So we just need to find that level of consistency and I think we'll be in for a cracker. David, we've had another listener question from Barry O'Neill. He's asked about Cole McKinnon. Is he shaping up to be the best loanee we've had um, in general, but I think specifically from Rangers or one of the old firm? I was. I would probably say, yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. I think you, you could also, you could obviously say Lewis Mayo as well. Obviously, part of that clean sheet streak last season, he was brilliant in his first uh, spell with us. We got him back. He was brilliant again, and we try to get him again because you know it's very rare you would get the same money. I think I maybe give a mention for Graham Dorans as well. I know he's very well respected, um, or even Yukas and Tyler as well, or probably the other two that kind of. Uh, spring to mind but um, definitely like I mean it, it's mental that we've got such a small capture you know size for him of, of games and already he's looking like one of one of the best loanies we've ever had from Rangers it's, it's quite wild so no definitely I think at the end of the season you'll be able to definitively say yes or no I think but uh, for now he's, he's certainly he's making an argument definitely I totally agree. It's just if he keeps up this form and plays like that in three or four out of five games this season for, for the duration, he'll be, I think he'll be up there with Mayo as the best. I just want to talk about the midfield, uh, Reese. I'm keen to get your take on it because you mentioned uh, Doc and Banzo earlier. I was thinking about their sort of midfield relationship at the game and I was thinking it's a bit like a marriage. So right at the start of the relationship when Doc came in and they were playing in a midfield too, things were going great. Um, exciting early stages of a relationship and then maybe in the last six months or so in the midfield too it's begun to get a bit stale folk are, are questioning will it last and then they've introduced a third party into the relationship Cole McKinnon has come in and spiced things right up and Bannigan and Docky I thought looked right back to their best on 
on Friday night. It was a shame Dockery had to go off, but the way they were sort of dovetailing, the way they were pressing together, and they seemed to be sort of swapping positions between like the deep line play, uh, the deep line midfielder, and an, an eight and pressing high up the pitch. Um, I was really impressed with how the midfield worked, and it's something we have spoken about how who's going to be the man to drop out. And Kyle Turner was unlucky, and I don't think we dipped when Kyle Turner came on in the second half, but I thought the, the midfield three in the first half, especially, was was tremendous. Rhys Jenkins, how do you see the sort of midfield shaping up for the rest of the season if we stick with this 4 3 3 that we're, we're playing with at the moment? Just what you're thinking, I just wanted to ask, Matt. Everything all right, you and Kirsty? Um, you need to speak about after, <laughs> no, after I'm, this I'm good. No, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> Things are good at home, David. Things are good. <laughs> I think there'll probably be a bit of rotation there because that is like that's four starter quality players, and I don't think any of them will be happy to just kind of sit in the sidelines. And also, they do. You've got McKinnon and and Turner especially offer different things to Banigan and Docky. I don't think it will be a case of right that's the three, and then Turner's just going to sit out because I think there's going to be games where you're like right, we want that kind of that creative pass and those kind of set piece deliveries from Turner. And then there's going to be games where maybe Turner doesn't have the athleticism or the kind of defensive solidity that the other three have. So you might like against an Inverness kind of thing who are maybe one of supposedly one of the better teams in the league. He goes right he goes with a kind of more solid three. It's probably going to be kind of dependent on opposition and on the kind of form we're in, I guess. Um one interesting thing I thought about the about the midfield that I've noticed this season, but especially noticed on Friday night, was kind of was when we're sort of pressing a high out, out of possession. It's almost like it go, almost goes into like a four-two-three-one kind of thing, and you've got one of the midfielders will join will join the attack to press in like a four. And uh, I noticed that was Bannigan quite a lot of the time, which um, I wonder. And it's interesting because he's kind of got the legs to kind of get up there and get back. But then when they brought Turner on, you might kind of automatically think that he's maybe a bit more lightweight, and they'll want him kind of. Maybe like you'd maybe think they might be further out the pitch, but they actually had him deeper, and they had still had Bannigan kind of supporting the press. So yeah, I thought overall the the all the midfielders were doing really well on Friday night, and I think that we'll we'll kind of we'll see that rotation throughout the season, and it won't be a set three. David, do you get anything to add on the the midfield or the performance in general? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the performance. Obviously, we all did, but it was the most typical Thistle thing ever that we've had, let's be honest, an, a strange week um, as a club. And for some reason, we are, well, well, I think everybody went in thinking this is going to be an absolute bin fire of a game and it's going to get real toxic if we go 1-0 down. And then suddenly we pull out one of the best performances I've seen in many years as we absolutely scud and run and for like 90 minutes everyone forgot about you know what was going on. I mean, it, it says a lot about the. I mean, to be honest, it says a lot about the team that that sort of off off the pitch stuff. Obviously, you, you wonder how much that translates to a team. How much are they aware of it? Because uh, you know, in, in your own job, there'll be things that happen in your work that you don't really bother with. It's above your pay grade or whatever. But to kind of be able to block all that out and go out and just absolutely run wild is is fantastic and I think we may be the only team in the world ever to win 4-1 and be cheered off the pitch with chance of sack the board what is what we needed after after the week that we had yeah while we're on that we're not going to talk about fan ownership this week but we have contacted PTFC Trust last week and look forward to hopefully hearing back from them and um, they're welcome on the podcast to, to sort of introduce themselves to the fan base and I think that's all we're going to all we're going to say on the matter this week
And now I'm joined by uh, Sean McGuigan from the Terrace, a Rafe Rovers fan, to discuss this Saturday's game against Rafe Rovers at Farhill. Sean, how are you doing? I'm 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 very well. Thanks for thanks for having me. Good stuff. I know we've had five minutes of preamble where we found out how you were doing, but it wasn't. We have. Did you say five minutes? It may have been ten minutes. We've slagged off. We've we've slagged off the express. We've slagged off Tories. We've uh, we have absolutely uh, kind of chewed the fat. Yeah, absolutely bread and butter stuff. Um, but yeah, so football, Rafe Rovers, Patrick Thistle, you know, the clash of the Titans, Rafe Rovers, how have they done over the summer? How what's the feelings in the camp um at Starks Park this year? Do you know something? Rafe Rovers have had a, a, a strange summer and I wasn't entirely sure. Like you know how generally you go into a season it's like but I think we'll do okay or we might be fine or we're gonna be totally shite. Uh this season or this summer, I was I was somewhere in between all of those three things, and I wasn't entirely sure how we were going to do. And I think I think part of that was probably a hangover from last season. So, uh, listen, John McGlynn is regarded as a very good, very capable manager and and one of race better managers in the last thirty years. We were dreadful from January onwards. But ultimately, that was his team. And there was obviously a David Goodwillie situation. So was it going to be, if, if if John McGlynn left, were we going to be able to replace him with somebody who could get buy-in from what was ultimately his team? And, and let's face it, this is still ultimately his team. Ian Murray has brought in uh, some players. I still think it's John McGlynn's team, ultimately. Uh, Murray hasn't brought in too many players. I was a wee bit worried about that. There was also the hangover in terms of how bad we were last season. There was a hangover in terms of the David Goodwillie scenario. I was a wee bit worried about, like, maybe in terms of... Uh, do you know something? See when a, a, see when a club... Like, I, I thought Wraith Rovers were probably, for a wee while, people didn't mind Wraith Rovers. And then they'd done the thing with David Goodwillie and then everybody hated them. So I was like, right, is there going to be some kind of karma effect in terms of this season again I'm not entirely sure in terms of how we went into this season I felt ill prepared we in terms of the central defensive position Kel Benedictus was offered a contract he he didn't want it that's fine he left Uh, Frankie Masonda I believe was offered a contract he wanted something better fine he left that's fine though we've still got Christoph (laughs) Berra Then he decided to retire. So literally, we started the league season with, or two or three days before the league season, we didn't have a central defender. Now, to be fair, in Ian Murray's defence, he's brought in uh, a couple of young players who have actually started the season pretty well, which is... So so we're now not as worried about that as we were. Midfield-wise, I think we're fine. Up front, we're still lacking. Uh, Jamie Gullen, I don't think is a striker. He, I know he scored at the weekend. That will help Wraith Rovers fans keep off his back and will hopefully help his confidence. But still, I, I don't think he is a, a striker. And for all intents and purposes, I don't think Wraith Rovers have a striker on their books. For uh, And that's what, that's what now worries me, I suppose. Well, that was ultimately the reason why David Riley was signed in the first place, is to try and get someone in to score goals. I mean, looking at it from a sort of purely managerial football 
view, they didn't have a striker. David Goodwill could score goals and was, you know, a team that was lower. That was the entire reason that he was brought in. In terms of, in, in terms of where I am, in terms of, uh, so last season, so I, as soon as we announced that Goodwill had, had signed, I, I, I emailed the club to say that I couldn't volunteer for them anymore. I, I, I wouldn't be doing that. I, I didn't attend a league game. At, at start, in fact, I didn't go to any games at Strasbourg apart from I didn't go to any away games. I went to the cup final. Uh, what, a, what an absolute glory hunter! I, 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 and you know something? I, I totally get that. I totally get that. But I, I, I just wanted a good day out with my pals uh, and and to at the cup final. So, so whether I was whether I was right or, or wrong in that, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. In terms of where we are now, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's still nego- negotiations going on in terms of how we separate. Good Willie from the club. I don't think it's as easy as just paying him off. You know, so maybe it is. I, I don't know, but I know there's been negotiations going on. He is still being paid uh, by the club. At the same time, he's also been told to to stay away from the club as he has been since about January. I I, I think in in terms of where I was, uh, and I know there's been like there's been a bit of. Uh, like kind of double standards, kind of kind of put towards me, and I, and I get that. I think where I was sitting, what I wanted to see was I wanted to see change in the in the dugout in terms of John McGlynn, because I th- I think he was uh, very much at the heart of that signing. I wanted to see change in the in the boardroom, and I think we've seen that. I, I don't think we'll ever get rid of John Sim. Incidentally, because ultimately he is the man who has money and and kind of pays for everything. But there has still been changes within the boardroom that I feel was required, uh, and we've I suppose we've 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 said that David Goodwill needs to stay away from the club. And I, I suppose when I I, th- I thought about this even even last term, I was thinking, right, what is the best case scenario here? David Goodwill doesn't play for us ever. With the greatest will in the world, I'd probably like John McGlynn to to go f- to go to a different club, and it would be good if there was some n- new voices on the board. But I appreciate that John Sim will still be here for a long time. So I kind of feel like I've I kind of feel like I've got that. I kind of feel like with a, again with the greatest will in the world, we've probably had as many changes at Starts Park as we could hope for. Which is why I've kind of turned up this season and 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 tried to forget about it and just I've bought a season ticket and I'm cheering on the team and and I regardless of I, I have parked the goodwill stuff. Like it's it's all it's all good, well and good for us to kind of say this about a different club, but if it's your own club where you know something like this has happened where you've had a sort of crisis of confidence and you want to you know, you, you don't want to continue. You, you need to, obviously it's your entire life, isn't it? It's like, it's it's the thing that you wake up in the morning and think about and you think about it before you go to bed and stuff like that. Well, 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 to give you, to, to, to give you a bit of context, so he signed, uh, was it January 31st? I think he signed on January 31st. Yeah, I was at 11 o'clock at night, wasn't it? Something yeah, like I was, it was late, certainly. So I, I, I was in like, right, so I, I am I am not going to see Wraith this season. And then from kind of February onwards, I was going to see teams like Kelty Hearts. And I went down, so I, so I went to Kelty because I've never been there before. I went to Annan because I've never been there before. I went to, 
uh, Cove Rangers because I've never been there before. And don't get me wrong, it was good. I went I went to Steny a couple of times. I went to Cowdenbeath a couple of times. And don't get me wrong, it was good to to tick off all those places that I'd never been before. But with the greatest will in the world, like I remember being at Kelty, Kelty Allen, whatever it was, I think. It, uh, and on the same day, in fact, on the same day, I think Wraith were playing Partick. Yeah, and I was, I was standing at I was standing at Kelty versus Annan, and that was happening in front of me. But I was still refreshing my phone to see how Wraith Rovers were getting on against Partick Thistle. So as much as I kind of removed myself from Wraith Rovers as a kind of protest, I was still more concentrated on how the Rovers were getting on against Partick Thistle rather than the game that was taking place in front of me because. Like, like you know, your, I'm, I'm sure you know yourself. If you go I to, I was the same. I went to see Lynlithgow Rose that day, and I was the exact same. I was checking the <laughs> <other> <laughs> as well. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Like... And that's it. And I think, I'd, I'd, like, like let's say, let's say we don't go and see our respective clubs, and we go and see, I don't know, Celtic Hearts. Like maybe that game will engross us, or Celtic Rangers will engross us. But with a, again, if it's Kelty versus Annan. It's probably not the greatest standard in the world, and we will drift towards our phones to see how Wraith Rovers are getting on or Patrick Thistle are getting on. And it's like, right, Jizo, like, you know something? See, I've made my point. Next season, I'm going back to Rovers and I'm going to cheer them on. And ultimately, that's that's why I'm there. Uh, that's why I'm there this season. Obviously, like you said, you don't have any strikers. So, who are the main sort of threats for Wraith Rovers? Uh, I think that there was. Listen, there's been a concern about Wraith Rovers. The, the League Cup group section was abysmal. Started it well. Uh, pummeled Peterhead by six. Drew was still in Albion. Drew with Dumbarton. Uh, lost to Aberdeen. That's that's we kind of, kind of expected that. We, we, we did expect to, to go into the Aberdeen game with, with, with nine points. And I don't think that's been big-headed. It's just, yeah. if you're playing still in Albion, you're playing Dumbarton. Jeez, oh. If you're a championship team, you expect to beat them. Uh, and and that didn't happen. The concern was we didn't have a striker. We're playing Jamie Gullen up front. That hasn't really changed. That, that literally hasn't changed. And I think Ian Murray is still attempting to bring strikers in. Now, when we went into the Cove uh, the Cove Rangers game, I was worried about it, worried about it. And I, I, I don't rate Cove Rangers this season at all. I think they are much weaker than last season. Milne has joined yourself. Uh, uh, Rory McAllister has left and went to went to Montrose. I don't think Jim McIntyre is a particularly great manager. And I don't think the players that he's brought in has added to that squad uh, at all. And although he's, he's brought in more players since we played them, I still thought as much as we, we had to do more recruitment to, to make us competitive... I still thought we would compete against Cove Rangers. And in fairness, in the first half we did, we, we created chances, umpteen chances. I would say five or six good chances. Didn't they take them. Uh, and Gourley and the, and the Cove Nate had a good game, to be fair. Had a couple of good saves in that first half and, and maybe a good save in the second half. However, in the second half, we were swamped. As soon as we went 2-0 down, the heads went down and it could have been three, it could have been four. And at that point, I was thinking to myself, Right, geez, oh, I, I think there's a fag paper between the lesser lights in this league. I, I don't know if there's that much. Like, there's no, there's not going to be a Hamel, uh, sorry, there's not going to be a, a, an Aloha from a couple of seasons ago who, yeah. like, won three or four games. There's going to be a team that's going to get detached. So, if Wraith are going to be one of the poorer teams in the bottom five, 
they, they could be a team that gets relegated. The only thing I would say is we we brought in uh, we we brought in a couple of centre halves. We brought in Ryan Nolan, young guy from England who's barely played any games. We brought in uh, a, an even younger centre half on loan from Crew, uh, O'Riordan. And again, I'm like, geez, oh, like are these guys are these guys better than Kel Benedictus? Are they better than Musonda? Are they better than? Christoph Berra, for example, or again, have we have we kind of downgraded? And what I would say is, they've actually come across pretty well so far. As much as they're young, as much as they will make mistakes, as much as they uh, don't have a lot of experience, they've actually done okay. And I think they'll get caught out. I, I don't have any doubts about that. And they might get caught out against Paddock Thistle, against a team that has a lot of uh, exciting players in forward positions. They might get caught out. But actually, we've been pretty good so far, and we we lost to Dundee, but probably on an, on another day could have got a point. Maybe could have won it. with decent chances. We were better than Morton, which I was worried about because I'm thinking, right, we are now up against. We've played Cove, who I don't fancy. We've played Dundee, who I think will win the league, but we now have games against Morton and Hamilton. If we are struggling against them, who are we going to beat? Who who in this league are we going to beat? But we look better than Morton, and we're far better than Hamilton. So I, I am not of the opinion yet that we will be able to trouble the top four. But based on the last two weeks, I, I think we'll. I, I'm not entirely sure we'll be in bother that that I've seen so far. However, I do think that the guys have brought in, like the two young centre halves, this will be the hardest game by a mile. So it'll be interesting to see how they how, how they deal with that, and I, I see guys like like guys like Ross Mullen. Like on the right hand side, see him up against Tiffany, him up against Harry Milne. My goodness, he will he will struggle. So I, I'm worried. I'm like I've gone along this weekend, but I am I'm worried about it. I think a lot of people have said really at the start of the season, you know, as you said, there's a fag paper between the people at the bottom. I mean, a Rafe are probably very, very lucky last season that there was that chasm where I think it was like 19 points between 5th and 6th, and it was like one point between 6th and 10th, and three points between 1st and 5th. Yeah. And there was this big gap whereby when... Because, you, you mean, you were, on, you were on a really good run until that the, the infamous Fog game. Well, well, do you know something? that so, so that's just that. I think there is a... It depends how you look at it. It probably depends if you're a glass half or a glass half empty. There is, there's probably a bit of Ian Murray has taken over. And we finished fifth last season. And bear in mind, in theory, in theory, uh, we we could have finished in the top four if we'd hammered Kilmarnock and you'd lost heavily to air. I can't remember what the swing was, but six or seven goals or whatever. Can't remember. But but regardless, in theory, on the last day of the season, we could have finished in the top four. So there is a bit of well, Ian Murray just needs to go in there and tweak it, and we'll, and we'll be fine. But between January and the end of the season. We picked up, I think we only picked up one or two points more than Queen of South, and we picked up fewer points than Dunfermline. So that's how, like that, that was literally our form between January and, and and May. So this was a team that was essentially out of control uh, and and out of form. So it, it isn't just a case of Ian Murray coming in and saying, right, well I need to tweak things and 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 we'll be fine. This is a team that has been down on its luck since, well, Jesus like seven or eight months. So why is that? Why has it been down? It's like, why, why haven't they been winning games? What is the problem with this team? Is it a defensive thing? Is it, a, is it in the forward positions? Is it a, an issue with, with the system? 
Ian Money needs to come in and, and work that out. But certainly John McGlynn couldn't have figured it out. He couldn't have figured it out for, for, for six months. And I, I, I don't think it's just a case of Money coming in, making a few tweaks, and Wraith Rover should be in the equation for the top four. I, I, I genuinely had big concerns about this season uh, because... Like it's one of those things where it's like, well, be careful what you wish for. So a lot of Wraith Rovers fans, and and me included, incidentally, I I thought we needed a clear out in the dugout, and I was I was glad that McGlynn left, but it was also a case of McGlynn felt like the perfect manager for Wraith Rovers, and so who is going to come in to replace that? Because we've had a few examples in the past, and it's been a disaster. Barry Smith was shit. Uh, Gary Locke was shit, for example. Uh, who do we bring in? And if we make a terrible appointment, then then suddenly Wraith Rovers are in the equation for being a relegation candidate from the Championship. I think we've made a good appointment in Ian Murray. I've been a bit confused, I suppose, at times about how he's recruited, but I am still of the opinion that he will he will see us right. I'm not entirely sure about us, about us getting promoted. I think our squad is. Uh, I think our squad is limited. I think our squad is light. Uh, but I think the signings that he's brought in, especially at centre half, I am. I'm really chuffed with. Where do you think Rafe Rovers will finish? Uh, right. Okay. I, I don't think that's changed from my uh, kind of pre-season prediction. So in terms of like when I look at the when I look at the championship, I think see if Gary Boyer has a brain in his head. Dundee should win it, right? Ultimately, Dundee Dundee should win the league. I look at Partick Thistle. They should finish second and should probably challenge Dundee to a degree, but we'll see what happens. We, I I generally write off Inverness Caledonia Thistle every single season, but they all always finish third or fourth. And even though they maybe cut their cloth accordingly and have uh, like kind of reduced their budget, like they always finish in the playoffs. So let's just say they'll finish third. That only that only gives one place. That that place is probably between Queen's Park, I would say. Maybe Wraith Rovers. Uh, Air United have started very well. So for me, it's it's probably between those three teams, and I would say they will finish in some semblance of order. So fourth, I I think Wraith will finish fifth. I'd, 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 for me, Queen's Park will finish. Queen's Park will finish fourth. Wraith will finish fifth. Uh, Air will finish sixth, and everybody will tell uh, Bullen to fuck off. <laughs> and in terms of the game on Saturday, what's your prediction for the game on Saturday? I I, I think it'll be too much for us. I, I think see, even if we'd had, if we could bring in a striker, somebody who could finish then I think that would give us a, a, a semblance of a chance. I am worried. I am worried about this game. I am worried about the Patrick Thistle's left-hand side and predominantly our right-hand side. Uh, Ross Mullen is... So so basically, and I, so we've played four league games. I don't know how many times I have just went, Ross Mullen! Like, just in a, in a, in a, in a kind of exasperated tones. I must have done it two or three times for every game, because he's he's slashed a clearance or he's fell over 
or he's or he's he's hooked a, a cross into the box. It's all very frustrating. So I'm worried about him up against Tiffany and Harry Milne. And I am worried about the fact that you have Brian Graham, who and I, and I know Brian Graham is let's face it, Brian Graham, he isn't a facilitator of goals, but he is a goal scorer. And there's very he, he would walk into every single team in the championship. And we don't have anything like that. So I I I think we will struggle to contend with Patrick Thistle at the back. And I think we will struggle to not necessarily create opportunities, because we seem to do that quite well, but I think we'll struggle to take opportunities up front. So I think it will end up being 2-0 to Patrick Thistle. There you go, good stuff. Um, no, that's not good stuff at all. That's terrible stuff. It could be 5-0. In fact, it'd be great if it was 5-0. I'd, <laughs> I mean, I've, well, I've, well, I've got be. a bank holiday. No, no, as long as I see it. As long as I'm able to see it. Last time I was at Far Hill, I, I could not see fuck all. And I, I was really annoyed. And then you scored in the last minute. And then Ian McCall and uh, Zach Ruthin bent it right up us. And, and if I can be honest, and I, I don't do this very often, I, I lost a run of myself. <laughs> I, I don't normally do that. I, 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 I lose a run of myself at Scotland Games. I don't normally lose a run of myself at Wraith Rovers Games. I lost a run of myself. I was really, really annoyed. I was annoyed at McCall. I was annoyed at Ruddin. I, I was genuinely angry. Good, good. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've said, I, I said, right. I, I, I love my absurdism and surrealism. Right, that game is possibly, I think, it's probably my top three favourite Thistle games of all time. I absolutely love it. I, I didn't see fuck all like Stuart Bannigan, right? I think I saw Stuart Bannigan crawl out of the mist for about thirty seconds at one point. <laughs> I was all I think I saw the ball for about four minutes, right? Didn't see a fucking thing, right? And I was in the the John Lambie stand, you know, the stand behind the goal. Uh-huh. So we we were we were sitting there, right? And um, um our pals had left, so it was just me and uh, our pals' wife Louise. We were sitting there because we were diehards right there to the end, and we we're like, "I says this is rotten," and we just heard a glimmer of a cheer from the other side, going, "Why are they all cheering? Have we got like a?" a corner or a penalty or something, and then you seen through the mists and the light, the zero turned to a one, and everyone lost their shit. I mean, you know, it wasn't the it wasn't the, the concession of a goal that I initially an issue. I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> I so I, I kinda I kinda laughed at that point. It was just it was just Ian McCall like bending it right up us and then Zach Rudden bending it right up us. I was like, come on lads, I'm not really I'm not <laughs> I'm not really giving you a hard time. I, I don't really feel we we deserve this. But you know something regardless uh, I've given you a lot of representation on the terrace, McCall. I've, we've talked about you quite a lot on the terrace. Wind your neck in. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was an afternoon I could have I could have done without, ultimately, I suppose. But uh, I, 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 I suspect it wouldn't be quite as misty this Saturday, so I can see all of all of Patrick Thistle's goals. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Um, absolutely. Um, and so, uh, yeah, speaking of, uh, of the terrace, um, what's coming up with the terrace? What have you been doing recently? Uh, I hear you've done your Ben Hart-esque um, league preview for the lower leagues again. I think it was four so hours. We've did, so, so, of course, we've done a low league preview that, 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 that took uh, ultimately took four hours. But you know something? It's all very well... It's all very well dwelling on those four hours, but was it good quality? Or was, was every single hour good quality? And I would say... <laughs> 
yes it was so if you if you've seen that uh if you've seen that podcast pop up and you're like four hours i'm not listening to that well listen you should because it's four quality hours since then i've done other podcasts that have taken less than four hours regardless uh, in terms of uh, in terms of tv show i believe we are back uh, the tail end of september so there's something to look forward to we can potentially uh, criticize patrick thistle on television there you go do you have do you have to buy new shirts each time or do you just have like a sort of collection that you you kind of <laughs> you, you pick from or do you go out and so, buy them uh, so genuinely, I see every single shirt I've ever worn on television, I'd, and and I've maybe I've maybe had I I don't know how many episodes we've had now seventy maybe sixty no doubt no idea uh, there's only about four that I would four shirts that I would wear in real life uh, it's, it's now become a bit of a bit uh, so 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 I I, I get a, a small uh, amount of money to spend on shirts. But that doesn't cover me for the the amount of terrible shirts that I buy. <laughs> it's it's one of those um it's the is it bleeding gums Murphy with the Fabergé eggs? Do you think you've had enough? <laughs> I'll tell you when I've had enough. Um, I lo- I love the idea that there's going to be some bean counter down at um the BBC offices going what why do we have like these like this this budget like you keep going to this. Te- I've looked up this shop and they just sell terrible, terrible shirts. Why? Why are we hemorrhaging money on this? We've had to like cut the nines budget. And stuff. I, I, I can believe you that, that that isn't how it works. Basically, the bean counters give us a small amount of money. Then I need to order shirts, uh, which 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 are more expensive than what the BBC give. And then I turn up on a Wednesday for filming, and uh, Joel and Telfer and and Fowler criticise me. It, it it works, you know. It's a winning formula. We we, we cannot knock it. But there you go. But um, I'm I'm excited to see what abominations you bring onto the screen. Um, Listen, abominations. There'll be ab- abominations are plenty from uh, the end of September onwards. Wonderful, uh, wonderful. But thanks again, Sean. Um, and um, good luck for the rest of the season. Um, after Saturday. No worries, uh, yourself. I I hope you get pumped on Saturday, but I, I don't think you will. Haldane, Drew has asked, um, has Ian McCall found his found his starting eleven that we were, we were questioning? Does he know his best team? Has he found it? And do you expect that team um, injury dependent that to line up against Wraith on Saturday? Um, I don't know about strongest eleven, but what what we're doing with McMillan at centre half definitely works. But McCall said himself he prefers to see him at right back, so. I wouldn't be surprised to see Hodgson maybe drop out for Brownlee. But as I said last week, I'm genuinely happy with whatever team McCall picks at the moment because uh, we have such a great squad to pick from um, and I trust that the gaffer will pick the side that he feels will be best to compact 
uh, to combat the opposition. Uh, and as Rhys Jenkins mentioned, I think we'll see a lot of rotation this season due to the options that we have being as good as they are. The likes of Turner might come in for a game here or there. Um, and that's all going to be dependent on on how we, we set up against each individual opposition. I don't think, I know McCall's kind of, he's got a bit of, bit of a history of just picking a starting uh, a winning team so if we sort of win a couple of games we always pick the team but I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple of changes here and there um, between games each season uh, between between each game this season um, based upon how we're going to set up against each, indivi- each individual position in terms of the game next weekend I don't think Rafe haven't really had the greatest of starts this season I mean they've got a, a couple of good players the likes of Dylan Easton Jamie Gullen and, and even Dario Zanata, who who we know more than most, he loves a goal against us. And but they do look very short at the back. They lost Regan Tumulty, their captain Benedictus. He swapped Kirkcaldy for Dunfermline, and of course Christoph Berra, He's retired, so they've brought in a few untested prospects at centre half. Who, by all accounts, they haven't really set the header alight. So uh, for that reason, I'm expecting Brian Graham to let them know that they're they're going to be in for a game and. I'm really looking forward to it already. It's, it's when you come off the back of a 4-1 win, you just you're wanting a game the next day. You you can't wait for the next game to come around, and I think we we'll be looking to build on that as well. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Reese, what about you? Are you expecting a, a similar start in eleven to Friday night, and what do you expect from from the game? Yeah, something something similar, but I'm I'm quite excited about this one because I think that as as Reece touches on. They're a bit shaky at the back, and I think that we seem to have at the moment. Anyway, we've got the best, seem to have the best attack in the division. We've got so many good options that could hurt them, and um, and yeah, and it's at home on the kind of new, new perfect surface. So we'll be zipping the ball about, and I think it should be a good one to be honest. Though I get too ahead of myself because I did that after Dundee, and then uh, Queens Park brought me back down, back down the earth. But um, yeah, I'm I'm quite excited. I would, I'm I'm expecting a win. I would say. David, what about you? What sort of game are you expecting? And do you want to start us off with your, your score prediction this week? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's one of those where, again, similar to the Dundee game, we're all absolutely buzzing for the next game after that because it was such a complete performance. It just seems to be that when when we are on it, we are absolutely on it and look unstoppable. And when we're not on it, it can be a bit of a slog. There's always that jeopardy of, I mean, certainly with the team, it's one of those things where you think you have to go with the same starting 11 just purely because it works so well and it seems harsh to drop people because of that. As we said, Rafe haven't exactly set the header alight and they've lost key players and I don't know if they have necessarily rebuilt. I mean, you said earlier about how all of our uh, signings are, are upgrades on who they have replaced and I don't necessarily know if Rafe have done that. That all these comments speak to a Rafe win, to be honest, but that's not how this podcast works. So, um, I'll go two 0 Fissel. I'll come in. I'm going two 0 as well, David. Um, congratulations on yourself and Jamie correctly predicting victories when me and myself and Reese sat on the fence. So you and uh, Jamie have joined me in eight points. David and uh, Reese is on seven. Uh, Reese, how I'll come to you. Um. What are you expecting this goal to be on, on Saturday? Well, man, I need to get myself out of that relegation zone in the table then. So I'm going to go Party Fissel three Rafe Rovers now. We're going to get a clean sheet and I can see us getting a, a few goals. Uh, Jamie McDonald's not here this week, but David is, will work his magic and, and insert his prediction here. I'll say 2-0 Fissel. For once, confident of the clean sheet. I've not said a clean sheet all season. 
And Reese Jenkins, just for fun, a score prediction. Oof, uh, let's go for. Oh, I, th- I think I think that clean sheet's going to load us, but I think we're going to s- score a few. So I'm going to go three-one. Another another very optimistic uh, predictions panel this week. I'm assuming Jamie's predicted a win. Um, so so Wraith on the coupon then uh, for for Saturday. We'll also have a word on the Arbroath Cup game. It's the last 16 of the League Cup, Arbroath at home. Um, David, do you expect changes for that game or do we go into it and just carry on straight from, from Saturday? Am I right in saying we're playing Arbroath the week after? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so on the Saturday, so playing them on the Wednesday, then the Saturday. I think it's Tuesday, Saturday, yeah. I, I saw it because I could have went if it was on the Wednesday. Um, it, it's an interesting one because ultimately... You don't want to get into the the routine of having cup teams who are sort of, you know, give, resting people and bringing in other people. But as 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 we said earlier, like it was probably one of the most stacked substitute benches that we have had in a long, long time, if ever, in our time going. So it's not like you're going to be chucking out sixteen year olds to get their debuts or anything like that, just because to make up numbers and stuff like like. Whatever team we're going to put out is going to have depth in it because of this, the strength that we have on the bench. Um, and to be honest, I think McCall is probably going to play a full squad um, in the Cup because I feel that the Cup is a big priority for McCall. He's always talked about the, the Scottish Cup game against Rangers that they went to the replay and he lost. It being a big regret of his. He wants, to, he wants to do something and he wants to make a legacy. And I could see him playing a full strength team against Arbroath. Um, to be honest, I would be more surprised to see him rest players for the midweek and play a full strength team in the league. I think it will, I think he will play a full strength team in the cup and then bring other people in um, for a nice uh, breezy game against our prof at Gayfield on the Saturday. But no, I, I think you're going to you'll probably will see some changes, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think the changes are more likely to be in the league game than the cup game because I think McCall is he's absolutely gunning for it. And especially it's if we, if we beat our bro for in the quarterfinals or one game away from Hamden if we beat our bro. Like it, it's the best job we could have got, I think, and it's at home and he'll go for it. Reese Haldane, do you agree? Absolutely. I, I agree with what David's saying. Like McCall's trying to leave a legacy in terms of the cup competitions. He, he references them almost at every given opportunity. He would love to get us to to the latter stages of the tournament. And you look at it, if we beat our bro from the cup, there's a, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, I think one of the other ties is Dundee Falkirk. I'm not too sure, I think it is. So you, you could win this game and then you're playing them for a spot at Hamden, you never know. So it's not it's not out of the realms of possibility, but what I would say in terms of the starting 11s, the fact that we're playing our bro back-to-back I don't think it affects it too much. If we're playing a team who had a full week's rest, then I think you'd be looking to change a couple of bodies here and there. But because you're playing the same opposition twice, and and if you look at the squads, we do have the option to change things, whereas I don't think Arbroath really have that. Their squad's a bit slim. And I know even last season, they, they pretty much played the same starting 11 the whole season. They, they, they as well haven't got off to a great start, so you never know. Um I, I wouldn't be expecting wholesale changes, but that being said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Dowds get a start or maybe even the likes of Danny Mullen, but I don't think we'll be ripping the team apart. Bruce Jenkins, what about you? 
Yeah, so uh, I think we'll go strong, um, but we've got the we've got the depth to do that. So like even if you have a Danny Mon starting up front instead of Brian Graham, that's still that's still a really good option. And the drop off in quality um, isn't isn't great. So so I'm not I'm not worried about about rotating for the cup. And even if he rotates through the league and then goes like first choice in the cup, I'm still not too worried about the about the kind of the team we'd be putting out. So yeah, I'm I'm feeling feeling quite good about good about the cups this season. I know we've all mentioned about how deep the squad is and how many options we've got, but I hope he sort of avoids rotating for the sake of it because I think all of these players like Dowds, Fitzpatrick on the bench, Turner on the bench, um, they'll all get chances naturally this season just through injuries, suspensions, dip and, dips in form. He doesn't need to rotate for the sake of it because they will all get a chance. And as we've mentioned, um, this is a really good chance to get to a cup quarterfinal. We've not been to a cup quarterfinal and. In three years, I think. I think it was McCall's first game at, at Celtic Park was the last time we were there. It's a really good chance. So I think um, all goes well on Saturday. I think it'll be another another full-strength team on on the Tuesday. Uh, we'll move on to Partridge Thistle. Um, I've got two Partridge Thistle questions for you. Um, the first one, this, none of this might stay in, David. Um, you can judge. Um, what is the most immoral thing you have done while drunk? Uh, David, I feel like you've got you're going to have a good one for this one, so I'll come to you first. Um, I, I'm I'm going to disappoint you on this one, to be honest. But um, so I I would probably consider myself a quite a moral person, not in a holier than thou, better than you sort of way. I'm just very like I don't I don't litter, I, I recycle everything. I you know um, I I trap spiders and glasses to put them out in the garden instead of killing them. That sort of thing. I'm I'm very much you know. Um, a, a socially progressive person who donates to charity and stuff like that. So I would say I'm, I'm a fairly moral sort of guy. I was, I actually I struggled with this because um, I, I'm, I've not done anything that I know of that's utterly reprehensible. If I to give you a fistle example, I think I've got a fistle example. Um, do you remember the quarterfinal in the Scottish Cup, the replay? Uh, you won't remember it, Matt, because you were with me and you're absolutely fucking weathered. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I seem to remember we all get quite um, wavy gravy at that game before. I seem to remember. I think what was it? The second was it. Second goal was something stupid. Was it Connor Hazard had a mistake or something? Like that? It was something very frustrating. Uh, there was a. It was something quite near the end that yeah, it just annoyed me. Um, and uh, I, I inadvertently launched like a, a full cup of juice halfway down the stand and I think I scudded someone in the back of the head with it to be honest uh, it, it was an accident but I, I did because somebody immediately turned around going what the fuck are you doing at me and got into an argument so I feel I feel bad about that so that's probably and on the morality scale it's not like I'm going to be tried in the Hague or anything like that but in all honesty um, my, my more serious one is probably the fact that I am not vegetarian, right? And the reason I'm not vegetarian is despite eating meat being, you know, the source of meat is a horrid, horrid thing that is absolutely reprehensible, the, the industry it's in. The reason I'm not a vegetarian is because every time I get pissed, I go to McDonald's and I love it too much and just won't give it up. So that's probably morally very, very bad for me. Uh, so I'd probably go with that. But you can have scudding someone in the back with a cup of juice at the Hearts replay. I was really, I was expecting a bigger twist when you were when you were rhyming off all the, the good things you do. I was expecting something dastardly there. Um, the two Reese's, I don't know if you want to come in with this one, or there is another Partridge Thistle question I can ask you if, if you're not willing to divulge. I'll give this one a bye. I don't even, I don't really drink anymore. I've retired. 
a, a wise choice. You must have done something really fucking reprehensible then <laughs> if you get on. <laughs> Sorry, too long ago to remember, man. I've blacked, I've blacked that period out. <laughs> David, I've got some advice for you since um, I've been I've been busy for about nine months, but I'm I'm quite uh, keen on a Dunk McDonald's as well. But the McPlant is pretty good. Although what I do is I swap out the vegan cheese for normal cheese and get that, and then that that kind of makes you taste a bit more, you know, a bit more right. genuine. Aye, I've had the vegan one at Burger King, and that's fine. And aye, then that's even, aye, when the when the pandemic happened, I was only eating the vegan burgers at Burger King, and then the pandemic they stopped them for like twelve months, and I've just never oh, had back. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just a lazy bastard. I tell you what, Burger King's quality for it. Burger King have, uh, especially when I was in Spain in summer, Burger King Spain has like ten different veggie options, which is like unheard of in the UK. So I got Burger King on that, but. <laughs> in terms of partridge thistle, um, don't know if I've done, don't know if I've done anything terribly immoral, but I do remember I had a I had a like a house party one summer like a few years ago um, when my parents were away and uh, I was making vodkas for my pal and uh, and I thought it'd be funny to just see how quickly I could get him drunk. So he was saying like, can I have like doubles? And I was just giving him quadruples, and then he was absolutely smashed after about two hours. So that's probably about as immoral as I've been in in, in recent memory. <laughs> Is he okay? Like right now, is he alive and well? He is alive, and he does it to me all the time. So I've got no sympathy. Like he, right. he will. He comes up to me with shots and night out, and just tells me, tells me to drink them. And so I've got no sympathy whatsoever. The other part of this question, we'll make this quick because that this is uh, direct into a nonsense territory. Um, who, who do you think is the best boxer in the squad? And if they were given twelve months off from football to to train properly, could they beat Anthony Joshua in a fight? Anyone can come in on that one. Who's big enough is the first question. Darren Brownlee. Yeah, because I'm thinking there's probably like, as Joshua told us, there are now he's 18 stone and that's heavy. So I'm trying to think who would even get close to that in weight. Brownlee's probably about 19 than us. That's his injury. But um, I, I was thinking Adam Muirhead, they're probably not the same weight class, but he's solid, isn't he? And I used to remember back when he was first spell here, he was loving taking his top off. Guy was shredded. So I think he'd been with a I think he'd be solid anyway. No, I mean, it'd be a good fight in him. We've seen he's, how he's, like got that, he's got that sort of glint in his eye as well, where he could go, he could go right off on one and just like inexplicably knock a massive person out. Aye, he's got that dog in him. Yeah. Uh, we will leave it there for the week. We will be back at some point next week to look back on the Wraith game and the our Growth Cup game, and to look ahead to our trip to our Growth and the league. In the meantime, stay safe and buy a season ticket. Bye.